one of the things I did want to talk about and for the trade to not lose sight of the, the private sector is that um, in all of the strides and what we achieved with the, the foundational system of ACE and working together with the partner government agencies, um, I, I feel like we, we cannot lose the gains of one U.S. government at the board. Before we get started with the show, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Global Training Center. As trade compliance professionals, you want to make sure that your procedures and documentation are completed as correctly as possible to avoid any delays and possible fines. We provide a range of trade compliance courses that will fit your needs. From in-person or web training to recorded on-demand courses, we can train one or even thousands on your team through your learning platform or on our portal. We can even customize a private session for your team. Go to globaltrainingcenter.com to find out more. It's uh, good to be back. Hey, listen, I, I just uh, wanted to tell you again, we have uh, getting some more trending and uh, feedback. Uh, our, our show's going up, uh, trending up, so that's a good thing. I don't know if uh, if you got any more uh, numbers or anything else that you've seen uh, of late and feedback. Yeah, I mean, the, the good thing is it looks like it's growing about 20% every month. Um, that's about the average that we're seeing. So so we're we're doing quite well. Uh, we're, we're excited to um, try to push this out a little more um, in this podcast itself. You'll hear a little more of, um, of uh, sponsorships, uh, mostly through Global Training Center, because that's mm-hmm. uh, who I work for and who, who pretty much uh, produces this show. But also, right. um, uh, you know, just, just to bring in more announcements that we can. And if anybody all obviously is, is interested in, in pushing their, their message out here, uh, we, we can certainly do that. But, but yeah, we, we are seeing more numbers and, uh, thank goodness. And, uh, internationally we're seeing those numbers go up as well. So, you know, it, in spite of our show being a, um, mostly U S based, um, trade compliance show, um, we are seeing, uh, more international, um, uh, participation Especially when we start hitting cool. some of the career stuff too and in the, exactly. in the different things uh off the off the chart so hey listen uh i am uh looking forward to today's show is that we have somebody that has, i've known for many years and she is one of the smartest folks and and uh that i've uh, gotten to deal with in the government uh, she's retired from there, but one of the things is I had the, uh, privilege of getting to work with her on the entry simplification working group and which literally revolutionized the, uh, the entry processing, uh, that is being utilized today and has actually saved the government and the private sector, probably millions of dollars in the, in the way things are done. But that said, um, anything you want to add before we tell everybody who we've got? No, I mean, I met her um, about a year ago in San Diego at one of the conferences, and uh, she I believe she had just gotten started um, with uh, the uh, NEI division of the NCBFAA, um, the, the mm-hmm. NCBFAA Educational Institute. <laughs> and uh, so um, I had just met her, and I quickly just, it's like it, it made sense that that they picked her to do this because I mean we we coincided a lot. We talked a little bit about how when she was uh, with CBP um, and Global Training Center provided training for almost like 500 field agents uh, uh, wow. um, that for for training on on different topics and um, and she was 
involved in the background on that. So we 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 hit it off really right away, you know, and I'm excited to continue to work with her through um, our training and, and as we go on. And just so everybody knows, we will bring her back on with uh, Kiko Zuniga, which everybody probably knows uh, as heading up the NEI for many years, but um, he's stepping down from that role. But uh, we will have another show where we'll have both of them talking about the NEI. Uh, in this show, we're going to talk about something different. So Andy, um, let's go ahead and uh, introduce her here. Yeah, Cynthia Wittenberg, uh, welcome to our show. I got to tell you, I, it is so always a pleasure to get to see you. Uh, folks, there'll be a bio that we'll put on with the, uh, the notes because uh, Cynthia's background is uh, phenomenal in several different areas of the uh, the government. And uh, it's, Cynthia, what a pleasure to have you join our show at Simply Trade here. Well, thank you, uh, Lalo and Andy. You, you're just so gracious <laughs> in your introduction. Um, I hope I can live up to all that you have laid out there for me. Um, it's great to be with you on Simply Trade, and I really uh, like this concept of what you're, you're putting out here. And uh, I wish you all the best yeah. and hope that your uh, listenership increases with every month. <laughs> um, I like to think that not so much that I retired from the federal government, but that I retired to another phase in my life. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, this has been a very interesting one, um, kind of transitioning out of the federal government to the private sector. And one of the things that I've kind of said jokingly is that, gosh, I've been institutionalized for over 30 years. So it yeah. takes some time, um, you know, feeling a little bit freer mm. in terms of who I'm able to engage with and who I can have lunch with without thinking about, you know, whether or not it's repercussions. So that's, that's been refreshing. Um, it really has. So um, I'm really, I'm ready to get into a discussion with you today awesome. about trade and our whole world. Well, I got a question for you is that uh, since we're getting into that, uh, just so everybody knows, again, like I mentioned that we, uh, I've had the privilege of working with, uh, Cynthia on a, uh, private sector government, um, uh, joint initiative. And, and then there's been policy issues over the years and different things that have gone on. And, and, uh, and even though, let me tell you, we may be really nice and all that, but we've had some intense debates at times and, uh, and we would. <laughs> It's, it never went personal. It's always on the issues, but it's like, you know, we, we would uh, really, both of us be passionate on things along with the group. And, and so um, that was always great. But I got a question for you. In the realm of people trying to affect change in the industry, importing and exporting communities, um, what, from your perspective, I can imagine the number of requests you get from meetings and the information that you're in information overload, people trying to send you things and they may send you this big dossier of all kinds of information or things that's relevant and not relevant. What would be one of the best ways for people to initially approach you and just maybe, you know, trying to either propose something new or work on something that needs to be enhanced as far as regulations go? So that's kind of a, I'll give you a kind of a multi-tiered <laughs> answer because it's going to depend on the issue and what you're trying to affect. Right. So a company could have issues that affect their transactions 
and let's say they import through one or two ports. They have, you know, pretty tight su uh, supply lanes. Mm -hmm. um, the best approach there is to reach out to the centers, the centers of excellence and expertise. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, they prefer to be called centers than C's. Okay. So don't approach them as C's. They okay. like to be called Good centers. Point. Yeah, um, thank you for saying that because everybody's <laughs> referring to them as C's. <laughs> so good one. It started out that yeah, way, yeah. but they prefer on the inside to be called centers. So that's a plus if you can refer to them <laughs> that way. But mm -hmm. that would be your first level of engagement, especially if, again, you're a medium-sized, small-sized company. Um, get in there and get to know those folks. Get to know who's handling your commodities. Um, let them know you're being proactive and that you're willing to share with them the nature of your business because it's very helpful on the inside of the government to understand the nature of the, of the business of those who are importing and exporting. Right off the bat, Let's Cynthia, say, well, well, let me say yeah. what you're saying right, at, right there is something that I'm picking up on is go from the ground up, not from the top mm -hmm. down initially. And I'm talking initially. So in other words, Right. Learn who's handling your stuff, your ports, yeah. what's your process. So you that, I would think later on, you would know your numbers. You would know your contacts. You would show that you would more than likely follow the protocol of, you know, the centers and the mm -hmm. port directors and or staff thereof, right? Hey everyone, we're getting ready for another annual ICPA event coming up the week of March 12th in Orlando, Florida. If you have been thinking of attending any of the ICPA conferences, this is the one you should not miss. There will be more sessions than any other conference with a guaranteed sell-up, so hurry and get your tickets today. We are also excited to share that Simply Trade podcast will be in attendance and we want you to be part of our show. Listen to episodes 14, 15 and 16 to find out why you can't miss this conference. Absolutely. And they get to know you. Mm -hmm. They get to know that you're transparent, you know, as a company and that you're willing to share information and that you want to get ahead of issues. Excellent. So they'll think about that should something come up. And, you know, even if, again, they have jobs to do in regulating and enforcing the law and the regs, but still it's helpful for them to know what type of company you are, what your philosophy is around conducting business. Excellent. The other tier I'm thinking of engagement. So let's say you're, you're in an industry and they're industry-wide issues, issues that impact the industry writ large. So if, if the industry is, if the company's part of a, an association, that is a way to engage the government at a higher level. Right. That you get your association involved in the issue and then the, there is there's power in numbers of bringing that issue before right. okay. the government. If that makes sense. Excellent. So you know sometimes you have to uh, open up a little bit, maybe to those who might be your competitors, but still, again, you you all have may have similar issues. If it impacts you, you know, if it's some um, decision customs customs has made, mm -hmm. especially at um, the port level or center level, don't always think that that's the end of it, right? Maybe um, a decision is made in one location and, you know, folks are really trying to do their jobs and be diligent about it. Mm -hmm. And then you're at another location, another center or port, and the outcome is different. Um, then it's time to think about elevating. Mm -hmm. Well, and in elevating, not 
too high up initially. It would be utilizing, I would assume, your, let's say you have a, a contact at a center and you're going through one port and that port probably has the uh, center contacts. They're, they're used to it. They're, they got the questions. And due to, it could be a weather situation, whatever, the service provider has to change ports. It's uh, an aircraft that has to overfly one and go to a different one. Truck, same thing, a bridge is out in one location, they go to a different one, whatever the case may be. <clears throat> same thing, ocean, whatever. Um, so now you're in a different port. You have a different set of eyes generally looking at the initial uh, entry for release and maybe hanging things up. Rather than fighting the battle initially, it's like if you've got a contact at your center, I would think you would want to utilize that center. That's what those were established for, wasn't it? Was it not? I remember when we talked exactly. about all that years ago, and is it? It sounds like it has evolved to a pretty effective uh, function. So that's account management. Mm -hmm. So the importers are treated as accounts. And you're right. You're absolutely right that your first point of contact would be to address it through your center contacts. Um, and then they can maybe be your best advocates with reaching out to resolve issues at other, you know, mm -hmm. various ports yeah. where your goods may be entering. So you're absolutely right. Okay. All right. So let's say that now we are moving forward with an issue that at this point, operationally, let's say, let's hope that the centers and the, and the port operations folks are doing fine. If there is, like you said, an association or whatever that you're involved with to maybe come propose a <clears throat> new procedure, new regulation, or even if it's a legislative issue that has to go into play, but needs custom support or any other agency. What do you uh, suggest in even with through the association on how they should approach? So within, again, it could could vary. If it's a pretty big issue that, um, you know, from the association's pers perspective that they need the attention of the agency, mm -hmm. the best place, if again, if not knowing who to address it to in the, let's say, it's the Office of Trade mm -hmm. or the Office of Field Operations, is um, possibly through the Office of um, the Trade Relations. The Trade Relations, which is in effect the ombudsman mm -hmm. at, we're talking about Customs and Border Protection. So there is uh, a person who is a political appointee mm -hmm. that's at Customs and Border Protection mm -hmm. that is there as part of the commissioner's office to be an intake for any you know significant trade issues. Okay. Uh, so that person, the ombudsman, the well, the executive director of uh, trade relations, mm -hmm. would take that issue and, and then make sure it gets to the respective executive assistant commissioner and his or her staff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that would be kind of the most formal route, especially if the association doesn't have a particular um, established relationship with either office. Or, you know, they don't have regular engagement mm -hmm. with the respective operational offices. That's the best entry mm -hmm. um, to make sure that the issue is handed off to the appropriate 
office for resolution or for response. Okay. So let me ask this then. What about in follow-up to something that's gone through the channels and as, as you're trying to gain that, that uh, I guess, the support networking with uh, those at headquarters or whatever the case may be, um, do you do you prefer to have like the, the meetings with the association representatives or with individual companies or like two or three folks or what? So at the, the headquarters level, um, I think it's best to establish relationships. You know, after you have that entry point, you're going to get to know right. who the director is, maybe over entry summary and drawback or who's mm -hmm. the director over forced labor or, anti-dumping, mm -hmm. trade agreements. So they're directors at that level, and they are the ones who really lead the day-to-day. -day. They're over the branches. They lead the day-to-day -day work with respect to what I call like little little P policy making. So they're making decisions all the time mm -hmm. that, to me, impact policy down the road. Mm -hmm. Again, small P policy. Above the directors, you have executive directors. Those are senior executive service right. personnel. And so that would be um, your next level mm -hmm. of engagement before you even get to the executive assistant commissioner. Mm -hmm. So at the um, executive director level, I know when I was at that level, mm -hmm. uh, really as a director as well, I would meet with associations, um, especially those who... I felt were um, stakeholders in my area of influence. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I made it a point to know who, which agencies, you know, would have issues where we intersect and making sure that, uh, you know, I knew who those entities were um, and look for opportunities to engage them. That was my approach. I, I will say as that a, I, I, you know, I've, been fortunate enough to sit in again at one point with in several meetings or indirectly I would have uh, there'd be uh, during my FedEx days and consulting days I would empower some other folks that may be in higher positions with information to to go forward on but uh, again I, I will say uh, Cynthia you've always been great at least listening to things even if you didn't agree with something um, is, is listening to the issues and then we would go through and, and go through a methodology of trying to say it listen what is it we can agree on or whatever so your your team was always good to to work with and that's why i'm like in in this realm to our, our audience um and more specifically i'm going to say something to the executive levels of companies uh middle management of levels of of companies is don't always go in and, and just complain, you know, have some options, look at it, think, do your homework ahead of time and develop those relationships. Like you just said, with those different directors of the different areas so that before it gets up to the top, again, you follow protocol, you've got credibility because you have somebody on the inside of customs saying, Hey, this person, you know, they know what they're talking about. They're pushing this issue, whether you agree or disagree, they, they know what they're talking about versus, oh, uh, here's somebody that's just high maintenance and they're just complaining again. So even, you know, even if uh, you have to bring an issue to, before customs mm -hmm. 
and it is a system, you know, persistent type of, of situation. Have some data behind what you're there you go. presenting. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, don't let it just rest on anecdotes, but there's power in having numbers like this this particular problem or this issue is costing my business X okay. in time or um, you know, the problem cause mistakes, whatever it is, mm-hmm. have some hard numbers behind it because that's helpful and that helps to carry the story further along. Especially right? if it's so not if just a, a one-off, it's like, you know, yeah, okay, you right. have an issue. Well, how often does that happen? Well, I import, you know, 10,000 entries a year and that happened one time. It's like, really? You even bring that up? Yeah, I get that kind of stuff. That's that's smart. Yeah, to have it's, your it's important. Yeah. And it's at the branch chief level mm-hmm. at headquarters. So, you know, you, you may be engaging a branch chief, but it helps that branch chief now to take it to a director or higher up if they're, they're able to articulate. This is the impact this issue is having. And if we don't fix it, this is the impact to the trade community. Yes, we have one company, but we can imagine other companies are experiencing this issue. And we have this one example of the cost of this particular problem. So I've always found it helpful you know, to say, okay, can you give me some numbers around that mm-hmm. so that we know the magnitude of the issue or the impact? And that's so important because, you know, whatever this, when we talked about single window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So you, it's, it's important to know the impact, whether it's the system or, you know, the system goes down. Okay, what's, what's the impact to the users? Right. And that's that speaks volume. That could speak volume as as the program folks talk to IT and say, hey, when the system's down an hour, it's costing X, you know, millions of dollars right. every hour when the system's down. So, you know, we need you all to address this. This is again program maybe talking to IT. So again, having some numbers and helping helping those policy folks on the inside with those numbers, I think is is very useful. And can I can let's let's talk about sin can we talk about single window? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Talk about whatever you want. <laughs> so yeah, so so I'm glad you brought that up because I think, you know, the work that we did around that and um having the input of the trade and we really locked arms for probably ten years, right? Man, I mean like really we, when it got I to mean it end. was a <laughs> intense debate, but it was also we were all committed both on the government and the private sector to come out with something that was going to work. And it was tough. That was, I gotta tell you, I enjoyed working on that, but that was some of the toughest uh, or most difficult work that we've had to do to work through the different trade issues and the, and the service providers issues and the importer exporter issues, government, the software developers. It was a very challenging time. And, um, you know, although uh, CBP had to define done, mm-hmm. right, from a yeah. project <clears throat> standpoint, I mean, I know there's folks who feel like, well, it really wasn't done or it didn't have everything that we wanted in it, but it would still be going on now if, if that's the case. And from an acquisition government project, right. it had to have some end in sight. And then now we can talk about the next iteration of what it will be like, ACE 2.0. But um, one of the things I did want to talk about, mm-hmm. and 
for the trade to not lose sight of the, the private sector is that um, in all of the strides and what we achieved with the, the foundational system of ACE mm -hmm. and working together with the partner government agencies, um, I, I feel like we, we cannot lose the gains of one U.S. government at the border. So we have the system, right. but we have to keep our foot on the gas in terms of ensuring that um, the one U.S. government at the border continues and that it gets better rather than, I feel like now maybe there's a little ebbing of it um, where some agencies might be losing a little bit of folks that are own. doing it. It's like, I, I get what you, you see. That was one of the frustrating so, things that, and I, I, that, I think you called it, uh, I want to say back them, but I, I'm not no, sure if that's the correct acronym, but the, the frustrating thing is that as we were looking and trying to pull multiple agencies to participate in the single window, and we were doing the data development and, and, and the system development and all that. It was like all of a sudden these agencies were pulling out like a Christmas list. Oh, well, we need all these data elements. Well, you're not getting them today. Well, no, we get, you know, it's like, wait a minute, this is going to be a showstopper. And as that's that going, was the BIC. Yeah, the BIC. Okay. The BIC, the Border Interagency Executive so Council. So when things go through that, that's one of those things that from a customer's perspective, I think y'all were the ones that sponsored that, hosted that, really went through and tried to push that to try and gain a collaboration of the other agencies, right? So absolutely. So so Treasury, the Secretary of Treasury actually uh, was designated the lead of the Border Interagency Executive okay. Council, and it was delegated down to CBP, the commissioner. and. Mm -hmm. So the idea was when um, President Obama signed the executive order that we would streamlining uh, import-export for America's businesses mm -hmm. um, to get the single window done. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was built upon getting ACE done. But it also, in that executive order, kind of put some more focus on this body, the Border Interagency Executive Council and elevating the um, members from the respective departments and agencies to a higher level, mm -hmm. to going back to having the political will within the executive branch to get this done. So it, in order to get it done, it had to, to get elevated to those who could um, apply, you know, pressure within their respective departments to make sure that we got the resources we need. We had the right folks at the decision level mm -hmm. around the table so that things could move forward and not keep kicking the can, right? <laughs> and so right. Um, that that council um, is, is still there, mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of, you know, for the time we were really moving to get ACE complete and single window, um, there was an ex external engagement committee and the private sector was able to, with representatives from key associations, right. they were there and able to sit in front of those other, um, those leaders from those other agencies, mm -hmm. which was helpful for many 
um, of these agencies who didn't normally engage the private sector in this way, mm -hmm. especially with respect to imports and exports. And so they got to hear directly from those entities the impact that having, you know, automating paper forms, what that would have, mm -hmm. you know, on streamlining the process. And so that was extremely helpful. And if there were pain points, they could hear directly from those who represented the trade community. Um, so that is one thing um, I think it would be helpful if we see that emerge as a, as a body um, that the private sector can once again engage with. Okay, for, the, for that to happen, then see if you would agree with this, is that the associations and companies, uh, importers, exporters, need to be working through their associations with the congressional oversight committees to put in inquiries for that very thing, because that would take the, shall we say, the, the, the budget money oversight, the, if you will, the political uh, side of things to try and put a little pressure on the agencies to stay focused on, you know, facilitating trade. Yes, that everybody still needs to take care of their own particular agency's mission, but you've got to facilitate the trade for those, especially that are saying, just tell me what you want and we'll do everything we can from an export import company to be a good corporate citizen. But would you think that that would be one of the ways to make sure that, you know, participation in the BIC and the private sector participating in a, in a committee to, to uh, join the BIC at times um, through those oversight committees, or would there be a, another way of doing that? So um, in, when you say oversight, so I think of with respect to trade and CBP, mm -hmm. the major committees that are interested on a regular basis would be your House Ways and Means mm -hmm. and your Senate Finance. Right. Those are the two, and those are authorizing mm -hmm. committees. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they can authorize certain actions, but they're not, they're not the money people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the approach. Those are the, the appropriations in the house. And it, it, it's the, the, it's the house appropriations committee that uh, has that. Right. Right? Yeah. right. So you can get the authority from um, those two committees that then will bring forth, you know, some legislation that gets passed like TIF tier, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but if there's no funding associated with it, you know, mm -hmm. to carry it out, mm -hmm. then, it's on the books yeah. and the authorities there. It's there. It's kind of dead but, in the water. It's like, well, it's not going anywhere. So, well, at least not immediately, right. not until some money follows, or if you know an agency decides to uh, move what it can within the authority, because mm -hmm. agencies are restricted as to how they can move money about towards certain programs. So, mm -hmm. um, I had a wonderful career with customs, and uh, would do it all again. Nice. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, for your, uh, this show. I know we're going to have more, obviously, uh, we're going to have you and uh, Kiko on to talk about the uh, educational Institute, uh, from the brokers. Um, but thank you so much. You're just, thank you're, you again. You're wonderful. Thank you all. Well, thank you all so much for having yes, me. And thank you very much for joining us. Simply trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of global training center. 
You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure that you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.